0: You're watching Stockwatch with me Juliette Televi, and joining me to take questions this evening are Ashraf Mohammed from Peace Capital and Rowan Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers uh, Unfortunately, we're recording the show tonight because of some technical issues uh, but if you'd like to send questions anyway which we will get to tomorrow night uh, you may as well send them through you can SMS 41392 email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or you can tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch uh, Rowan Ashraf good evening to you both uh, nice to see you there uh, Rowan if I may start with you it is a bit of a sort of an iffy start of the week for the JSE, but I guess that might be expected given what happened towards the end of last week, which which were some extraordinary, extraordinarily powerful moves to the upside, uh, particularly in the US markets, but it followed through to our own market. Do you think we're just taking sure. a bit of a breather?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, uh, it moved uh, sideways uh, today, in the market, and actually quite good consolidation if you look at those uh, outsized moves of last week it all started with uh sort of uh, yeah the cpi print that was slightly better than anticipated we saw a sharp upward move and the, the markets continued to move up from there uh, friday continued momentum that's posted very well and then richmond came with very good quarterly numbers so that continued to push the momentum, uh, and uh, yeah, incredible week last week. And the fact that the market was largely uh, flat for today is actually quite positive because uh, those gains were really um, held over the weekend. Uh, so uh, all in all, yeah, it's been a very purple patch uh, for the Aussie.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, purple group results also out and we'll maybe get to those in a bit. Um, Ashraf, you know, there's a lot of argument i suppose as to whether or not this is just a rally within a a bear market that is ongoing or if we've seen the worst um or if it's actually maybe try and ignore the noise and focus on uh, the results that are coming out of companies there were quite a few today which hopefully we will get to do you i mean do you have a sense of of this or is it almost an impossibility to call
2: well the the market's being driven by uh by u.s interest rates um and also by by default the U.S. Uh, dollar, um, but if you look at South Africa's uh, economic situation, our current account improved, then pulled back, and is likely to show an improvement again for the for the third quarter. Um, we've we've had consumers under pressure, but not as bad as in the uh, the GFC, and I think that. Um, South African companies on a whole have managed to get through COVID and post-COVID quite well, especially with their balance sheets intact, especially when you look at the banks.
0: Yeah, I mean, the banks and the retailers. I mean, you know, ShopRite came out with an operational update mm-hmm. today that seemed to absolutely dazzle the markets. Um, yeah. wh- what did you guys make of it? I mean, the shares were up, I think, about 7% at one point. Not probably They probably closed by 5 or 6% higher. Um, Rowan, I mean, you know, Ashraf talks about companies coming through COVID and riots in South Africa's case and load shedding, and you're starting to see those figures actually being reported by companies. TFG, you saw last week saying how many trading hours they lost, how much they're having to spend on diesel and on power generation, and I think ShopRite says it's costing them 100 million rand a month. So it's a lot of money to keep going, which of course is going to eat into shareholder returns, but on the balance of what you saw, would you say these are still companies
1: worth backing or ShopRite in particular? Yeah, so look, ShopRite in particular, the numbers were very good. Uh, exceptional uh, sales growth. There were sort of tiny bits of soft base uh, still coming through in terms of uh, the, the, the rights last year. But uh, overall, an excellent uh, performance and yeah, the share price responded accordingly. I think more broadly, are seeing different sectors uh, impacting differently. So if trading conditions are good, I guess they can cover some of those uh, cost increases in the case of, say, ShopRite. Food inflation, uh, grocery inflation typically is good for a food retailer. Um, They do get a little bit of margin expansion. Then if we look at the Telco's uh, Vodacom reported today, where you're seeing the cost pressures come through, but not as strong top-line growth, and then you're getting margin compression. Mm. So it really depends how the operating environment is able to manage that relative to the cost growth. So it is a bit different, Uh, like banks doing well in this environment. And uh, so, yeah, something like telcos doing less well. Uh, retail is generally doing quite well, but we are seeing those cost pressures come through. And if if the top line starts to uh, just come down a bit, I think you'll start to see further margin compression.
0: Mm. I mean, just talking about telcos, um, Ashraf, the, the telcom results seem to be horrible. Um, I, I mean, do you think the share price is going to be fall further? You know, and of course they don't have, they don't have the the suitor of MTN anymore and, you know which you know if, if they had uh, taken them off the market and succeeded in their buyouts, um, it would have been great for Telcom and they wouldn't have had to be so sort of exposed as to what is looking kind of a really bad set of financials about to hit us.
2: Yeah, so the the trading update came out this morning before the market opened and uh, we see the shares down over five percent today. Um, I think the problem for Telcom is that it's it's started moving away from its legacy business. The fiber business two years ago was really growing well, but competition increased, um, especially from the likes of Rain, but also M T N, Vodacom, Dark Fiber Africa, pushed into that market. And um, now with the competition around, they haven't they haven't seemed to be to have maintained the momentum. So mm. my concern is that what was a fast-growing high-margin business for them is under pressure, and where is the growth next? Um, so ultimately, it's a it becomes a value trap, and um, I see fair value between 25 to 30 rand. Um, my concern is what is management going to tell us next week when they present those interim results? Mm. Um, and my expectation is no good news.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you also don't have Sipo Maseko um, anymore at the helm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a, a sort of a hard act to follow, having cleaned up the business. Um, Rowan, on the basis of this trading update um, and what Ashraf just said, do you think Rain would still want to make a play for Telcom? Or, or that actually they could get it at a really good price.
1: Um, yeah, no. it seems uh, the longer the suitors wait, uh, the more reasonable the price gets, unfortunately. Um, the problem Yeah, Telkom is sort of asset rich. It does have some really uh, valuable assets to other um, operators, uh, be it Rain or, or MTN, which they were obviously interested in, um, more obviously the, the, the spectrum and the fiber to the home uh, network. But uh, they're struggling to get any return on those assets in their sort of current operations. Uh, obviously, the copper business is in in decline. Um, the mobile business not growing any as fast. Um, so it certainly is, I think, more valuable uh, to an acquirer. And I think Rain still would be interested. They could probably uh, utilise the assets better and get a better return, and uh, it could be profitable to them. So um shareholders i don't think well if it, there is a takeover offer you won't expect uh, accept a, a very low offer and um, so that will regulate somewhat but in the absence of that they're gonna just struggle operationally.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when you see, you know, how much, if they're writing new post paid business in the mobile markets, how much it's costing them. Uh, You know, they've got to pay for the handsets and that only then comes into the business 24 to 36 months down the line. And I kind of wonder if they're not gonna end up in some sort of awful cash crunch, um, which, which must be making them quite nervous. Um, Ashraf, I mean, you had Telcom coming out with the, the trading update. You also had Vodacom coming out with their half-year results. They weren't spectacular. Vodacom's results, and yet the share price did okay. Wh- why? Well,
2: share price w- share price was down six and a half percent at one2
0: Sorry, I, so, I might have looked at it when it wasn't uh, as bad as that.
2: <laughs> the, so you know, they, again, the the growth is slowing. Um, also bearing in mind that. The African businesses are are also feeling top line um, constraint. Um, yes, those countries that are are net exporters of commodities um, have delivered some sort of return for them, but not all African countries. And again, South Africa is is a challenge. I mean, you are really running hard just to stand still. Um, so, to me, you know, Vodacom. Is an X growth business, and where they where they look to find growth is in uh, is in media. That's what they said two years ago. Um, mm. But it takes a while for a strategy like that to uh, to come through.
0: So, uh, so you wouldn't be, I mean, X growth You wouldn't be buying them for the dividend.
2: Um, Julieta, I three four years ago the dividend was attractive, but I think our commodity stocks offer far better dividend plays and um, strong balance sheets.
0: Rowan, would you agree? Um, I mean, are there any telcos that you would like? Or would it be MTN because of it's not exposed to South Africa, although it's exposed to very risky regions in Africa, like Nigeria, uh, which can occasionally blow up on them?
1: Yeah, you, I mean, it, it does point to the the tough trading environment, the sort of ex-growth uh, environment and the you know, sort of uh, struggle to, to generate other revenue um, like super apps and the, the, the likes. Um, but yes, M10, I guess, on the some of the parts and maybe exposed to some higher growth uh, African countries and jurisdictions. Uh, and uh, the fintech operations, which have some optionality, I guess, not quite as attractive as they were sort of in this tech bull run. But I think are still real assets that have potential. Um, it does look like uh, your best prospect here.
0: Um, and then um, you uh, uh, referred to uh, Richemont coming out with results on, on Friday, which were, which were just kind of the share price reaction was spectacular. Um, and yeah. there's a question from a viewer um, that came through earlier, and he said, okay, first he wants to know our thoughts on tile we'll get to that after the break, but he said, um, I've been trying to get the book value of Richemont, but they've had financial statements on euros, should I just convert those numbers to rands using the data from the JSE? Why would you want to get the book value, firstly? I mean, I, as a as a as a layman, I, why would you want that? What what would? How would it influence whether or not you buy or or, or don't buy Richmond?
1: Yeah, so maybe I can answer two um, reasons. The one is a valuation metric is price to book. So to determine if a share is cheap or expensive, it's a typical value metric. Um, so and then also you want to see the return on the assets in terms of the ability to to generate a return on those assets. So um, the issue with often book values is they can be distorted with uh, goodwill. And in the case of Richmond, they did do substantial write downs of their YNAP uh, operation, of their sort of web based operation. So that would distort it somewhat. I would certainly work in the functional cu- currency if it's Swiss francs or euro um, that they report in. So no need to translate. Just work all your numbers in a single currency uh, in euros. And that way uh, you can calculate it. But you would have to do quite a lot of work to, to to take out goodwill if that's your calculation and some of the historical cost. Okay. And you'd probably find they traded a significant premium to book because the value of their uh, luxury assets and their, um, the goodwill there is significant. So it may be a bit less relevant in the case of Richmond.
0: Yeah. Um, Ashraf, do you think, I mean, for you, would re- Richemont be reasonably priced, fair value, expensive? I, I mean, I did think when it came out with I can't remember if it was, it was a, a trading update or their set of results sometime in March or April. And the shares absolutely, I think they were down 13% in one day. And I thought this to me is a buying opportunity. But of course, I didn't buy. And so now I'm kicking myself because from that point, it's recovered very nicely. Um, but given to account Friday's gains um, and the results that they reported, what what would you do with uh, vis-a-vis the share?
2: So, Julieta, I look at Richmond relative to its uh, two competitors, uh, LVMH and Kering. Um, it's always going to be at a discount to, to LVMH. But um, a year ago, it was a really cheap by comparison, and uh, that was a, it was a great time to buy, as well as um, when the most recent results came out. Um, I think that with the opening of China, It's uh, going to be a big beneficiary again. And, um, you know, people continue to write off its uh, watch business, um, and that was considered a negative a year and a half ago. Um, But I think that that will come back uh, quite strongly in the next uh, two to three years.
0: Mm.
2: And um, I like it, but I think wait for a pullback. Uh, these markets have run strongly and i think we are we are due for a for a small pullback in a lot of these shares.
0: Yeah. I mean just you know I suppose uh, Rowan just to end off with or to uh, to get your view on Richmond you know it it wasn't too long ago that it was trading at 180 rand it's now you know 214 rand so there's been a big jump up. Uh would you also wait for a pullback uh, on Richmond or just look at something else entirely?
1: Yeah, so you're right. I think the easy money has been made or sort of if you uh, bought at the right time. So now it's sort of market-related uh, returns. I think it still looks reasonable on a forward multiple, um, but there's some, yeah, uh, it's it's more balanced. So there might be better value to be had elsewhere. So I guess that's, uh, you know, what a broke would call a
0: hold. Okay. Um, then there was a question. Um, okay, so uh, same viewer actually um, asked a question about uh, Iteltal. I said I was going to get to that. Um, and the question being... Um I'd just like to know the panel's uh, thoughts on a company like Eteltowel. Um I has been a very steady performer, it just kind of carries on tracking. Not necessarily spectacular um on the JSE. Um yeah,
2: so, what's your what's
0: your thinking around it?
2: So Julietta, when the when the last set of results came out, they did indicate that they are there has been some volume pressure, so, so sales volumes are, off, are lower. Um, and it is, again, one of those companies that benefited during COVID because people were expanding their homes, doing renovations, et cetera. Um, I think right now we're probably going to go through a phase where there's going to be consolidation within the business. But if you're looking at it on a three- to five-year basis, it's definitely one of those companies that you – that you buy and hold because um, it's a well-managed business. Its uh, supply chain is uh, controlled by the by the team, right from source to to clients. And um, I've always liked them over time. Yes, there will be opportunities to buy them when the markets dip, but uh, they usually recover very quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, Ittel tells is one of my picks for the Financial Mail and also I think the Crystal Challenge. If I remember correctly. Um, Rowan, I, you know, on the basis of having reported on them for so many years, they always have very strong and capable management. They seem to be kind of frugally run. They don't do stupid things. They've got a very good st- sort of staff incentive scheme, a, 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 a BE and a staff incentive, uh, incentive scheme that seems to be sort of fair to the employees of the business, which I quite like. I don't know if that m- means that the shareholder returns aren't as spectacular as maybe they could be, but um, a 14 Rand, do you think it's a, a good one to pick up?
1: Yeah, so I mean, what you're seeing is, uh, I guess, uh, just struggling for for, for for like secular growth, essentially, because uh, we're not seeing massive household formation, mm-hmm. I guess, at their end, uh, there has been uh, maybe a some households uh, leaving the country, and then there was also, I guess, a once-off kind of beneficiary from COVID. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a tricky one. It doesn't seem too exciting. So it's it's a good business, sort of at a good price. I think, as you say, very well run, uh, uh, proper incentives in place. Um, but I guess you're, it's hard to see the catalyst for uh, exceptional returns. Um, you might get steady returns, uh, but uh, but not exceptional returns from an investment like
0: this. Yeah, as you say, they're up against a South African economy which is under extreme pressure. Um, there was a question that came through earlier uh, with regards to the break announcement of the listing of Premier Foods on the JSE, and and it was from an Ethos Capital uh, shareholder or EPE, who said, um, is there going to be a positive, uh, a direct positive benefit on them? Uh, I suppose with the bright connection on, on Premier's listing, um, Ashraf, is it is it going to be an obvious and, and positive um, impact?
2: So I don't think it's a material impact of ten to fifteen percent on the on the share price, Julieta, But you know, it sits within a fund. Um, the fund will benefit from it, and uh, the fees earned, the performance fees earned, will flow through to shareholders ultimately. Um, but I don't see it as being, as being very significant um, for, for Ethos shareholders. Um, but, you know, I do, I do think that uh, Premier is, is very attractive, at, uh, especially when you look at uh, the competitors in the market.
0: Yeah. I mean, Rowan, we were talking about this before we went on air, and there seemed to be disagreement out there in the Twitterverse about the valuations of Premier. Um, which I think they have put in a multiple of, uh, you said, 67 times, which doesn't seem excessive. Um, or, or is it excessive in yeah, so this you... particular environment? It seems quite cheap. It depends
1: uh, on whose perspective you're looking at. It uh, breaks the seller and uh, the uh, IPO sort of participants will be the buyers. Um, you do have Titan, which is uh, Christoph uh, investment uh, arm, essentially backing the listing. It's positive from Brait's perspective because they needed to monetize this asset and, and raise capital to shore up their balance sheet. And it really improves the Brait liquidity. So that's positive. I think the IPO has been touted for some time. So it's good that they're getting on with it. Yeah. And uh, I think the valuation 67 times uh, EBITDA um, seems reasonable. In fact, yeah, it, uh, it's not excessive, um, but it's, it's, it's not, not particularly high. So I think it is priced to, to, to be a successful IPO. Uh, maybe a little bit's been left on the table and it will attract, I think, quality investors, institutional investors. And then at some point in time, Braid uh, holding around 50%. percent they start selling down around 50% of the company may look to unbundle mm. the, the balance of the investment out of Braid. So that would help um, in terms of realised value for Braid shareholders. So I think it is a positive development uh, all around.
0: Um, Ashraf, would you buy Premier? A, and B, would you buy Brett on the basis of the unbundling and also the results that they came out with?
2: So I would, um, six to seven times EBITDA, as Rowan said, is fair. I, I don't really see more than 10 to 15% upside on listing. Um, I would possibly, of the two, I'd buy, I'd buy Brett just for the value unlock.
0: And you would buy it now, prior to the listing?
2: Mm, I'd have to look at the Brait price. I haven't looked at Brait recently.
0: Yeah, I mean the share price is four and seventy, and they say that their net asset value uh, is eight and forty. <laughs> but I suppose you know, <laughs> pick a number on what you want your net asset value to be. Uh, maybe that's a little bit unfair because they do have, uh, you know, this is going to be soon to be listed assets. Um, Rowan, I mean, do you think Brait is a steal given that it is so far below its stated net asset value? or that one has to take the net asset value statement with a a pinch of salt? Yeah, certainly I
1: think the market obviously doesn't maybe uh, agree necessarily with those uh, management value of uh, the assets. Um, This premium will be actually quite a good sort of uh, test because uh, they are actually um, uh, doing the listing at a slight discount to the the value that they uh, held it at, I think around a 10% discount. So obviously if it appreciates on, on listing that would sort of close that that discount that they did to sort of get the, the listing away, which may sort of give an underpin to the, the valuation of the rest of the portfolio. The key issue, though, is Virgin, uh, the, the gym chain, uh, remains a significant asset. And that sort of um, has obviously had a very mixed uh, trading period with uh, the shutdowns in COVID and is now recovering. But the sort of valuation of that, the sustainable valuation, uh, I think there's a lot of difference of opinion. But now that they're shoring up the balance sheet um, with the listing, I guess Braid does look like a more sound prospect. And maybe this is the start of a, 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 a final value unlock for Braid shareholders.
0: Yeah, although nothing like the return to the glory days of 170 Rand, but uh, hey-ho. Um, no. Uh, getting to your stock picks tonight, gents. Um, Ashraf, what's, what takes your fancy?
2: So mine is a uh, short on Nedbank. It could have been Standard Bank as well. But uh, to me, NetBank was the one that's run hardest more recently um, and also has a balance sheet that's not as strong as Standard's. I just think that banks have had a good run the top line is going to come under pressure this year. So I would be selling it uh, for 5 to 8% downside.
0: Okay. Uh Rowan, how about you?
1: We are going long coronation. Um, it has uh, underperformed uh, with the markets this year. It's obviously exposed to financial conditions. And uh, there has been some top line pressure, obviously, as uh performance has, has lagged somewhat. Um, but it's got too cheap, I guess. And uh, what it is, is a, a, a bit of an optional market. So um, it has bounced off its lows and it has a very high dividend yield, which provides a, a very solid underpin. So uh, you've got like a 10% yield, um, but with the potential as markets improve and valuations improve have, as they have recently, uh, that you would get that exposure through um, coronation. So sort of a value play with some optionality on the market.
0: OK, great. James, thanks very much. Uh, and thanks uh, for joining us this evening. Much appreciated uh, to you both. Uh, Ashraf Mohammed is from Peace Capital. Rowan Williams is from Nitrogen Fund Managers. And Zanati will be back with us tomorrow night. Have a good evening.